Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a fantastic day, no matter where you are across this great country or this great land. Lots to dive into. Would say off the top, please go subscribe to the Clay and Buck Show. We have been having a fantastic time discussing all of uh, these issues, in particular, Twitter being purchased by Elon Musk. So your boy is rapidly advancing to the extent that it matters at all on 1 million Twitter followers, having added about 20,000 followers in the last uh, 48 hours. Now, I know a lot of you left Twitter because you were angry over Donald Trump being banned, over Alex Berenson being banned, on the shadow bans, on the Babylon B being locked, I can already see a substantial difference in the way Twitter is being run, even though Elon Musk is not managing things right now. People say, what do you mean? What do you think's going on? Uh, the only time when I have added more Twitter followers this rapidly in like the last six or seven years was when I went on CNN and said I believe in only two things completely, the First Amendment and boobs, all right? Other than that, I've never seen anything like this rapid acceleration in followers. What do you think's going on? My theory. My theory is that uh, Twitter, the engineers at Twitter, are aware that Elon Musk is going to bring in his own super smart, genius data analyst and engineers, and that they will look at what is going on with, uh, with Twitter and they would have seen that the rig game was in effect. In other words, that left-wing people were receiving a serious bump and that if you were right-wing or conservative or libertarian, you were not receiving the same uh, ability of support. So I think what they're trying to do is rapidly cover their tracks and look like they've been playing it straight down the middle when the reality is there are a lot of political Uh, hacks inside of Twitter, and those political hacks have been overwhelmingly favoring left-wing political opinion that coincides with their own. And one of the biggest questions that's been out there has been, we talked about this yesterday when we had Miranda Devine, who helped write the New York Post articles on Hunter Biden. Uh, We had this discussion with her, and we said, hey, what do you think Elon Musk would have thought about Twitter locking the New York Post account and not allowing your story about Hunter Biden to be shared widely. And she said, based on precedent, I think Elon Musk would be opposed to it. Well, he actually spoke out. Elon Musk said, and I'm reading directly from his Twitter feed, suspending the Twitter account of a major news organization for publishing a truthful story was obviously incredibly inappropriate. Again, obviously incredibly inappropriate. That story that is out there is a significant part of what's going on here. 
Uh, Elon Musk, credit to him. By the way, this has gotten over 370,000 likes. And he was responding to a story uh, about the fact uh, that this Twitter top lawyer had cried during a meeting about Elon Musk's takeover. So he said it was incredibly inappropriate. I agree with him. It was incredibly inappropriate for Twitter to have locked the New York Post Twitter account uh, and not allowed their story to be shared. Uh, And so uh, this is pretty significant. Now, these uh, executives are upset about this situation and uh, that they're being criticized. And in fact, they are saying, uh, and I'm reading here, uh, that Elon Musk is a misogynist uh, and that the reason why this occurred is because of his misogyny. Color me shocked, shocked all caps, that people are coming for two of our prominent female executives on day one of this thing. Uh, This is uh, Laura Cohen, Twitter global head of partners, going off against Elon Musk trying to defend uh, this attorney, Vijaya Gaddy, and the chief marketing officer, Leslie Berland. Gaddy was reportedly brought to tears over Musk's purchase of Twitter. So these two... Democrat Party activists inside of Twitter who have been rigging the game against regular marketplace of ideas debates are clearly in the wrong. They 100 billion percent blew it when they locked the New York Post Twitter account and when they refused to allow this story to be shared. It's since been proven 100 percent to be true. Okay, so what do they do? What is the left wing playbook? Anytime anyone is criticized, go with sexism, go with racism, go with homophobia, go with transphobia. And so this is beyond the pale what we should expect to see Elon Musk have to deal with. Similarly, on MSNBC, uh, one of the dumbest people on television, I say the dumbest person on television, probably Joy Behar. Joy Behar on The View, which is the dumbest show on television, is paid millions of dollars despite the fact that she is an absolute imbecile. She used to be a comedian. She's not remotely funny. She's just really dumb. She's the dumbest person, I think, on my Mount Rushmore of stupidity. Joy Reid is also right up there. She said that Elon Musk is in favor of returning returning uh, Twitter to apartheid-era South Africa where he grew up. Because, of course, Elon Musk is to blame for the decisions that were made by the country in which he grew up. And he is actually an African-American. Legitimately an African-American. Uh, and, uh, and by the way, Sonny Hostin, who is also on The View, said that Elon Musk was going to run Twitter for white heterosexual men. Uh, the only group in America today that you can criticize by labeling them by uh, their their gender and their race and their sexuality is white heterosexual men. We're the worst people who have ever existed in the history of mankind. How dare all of us white heterosexual men be in favor of the First Amendment? Boy, are we the worst. You know what those white heterosexual... This is according to The View, by the way. You know what those white heterosexual men are in favor of? Everybody being able to say exactly what they think. How dare they? Think about how crazy of a world we're living in right now 
where it's considered to be an insult when you call someone a white heterosexual man for supporting the First Amendment. How dare Elon Musk, that awful white heterosexual man, be in favor of everybody, regardless of their race, regardless of their gender, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their sexuality, being able to say exactly what they think. That's modern-day tyranny. That is authoritarianism run amok. We can't have a democracy, according to the idiots on The View and MSNBC, unless unless white heterosexual men are stifled and not allowed to run rampant with their crazy ideas of allowing people to say whatever they think. Think about where we are as a society right now. All of this panic over Elon Musk buying Twitter is about letting people say exactly what they believe. The left wing has rigged things for so long that they are terrified of just one platform, just one, where everybody is able to go on and say exactly what they think on a variety of issues under the sun. Um, Speaking of a variety of issues under the sun, what do I want to go to next? The NCAA president is out. Mark Emmert announced that he's going to leave in June of 2023. By the way, what's up with these announcements that you're going to leave over a year in advance of when you're actually going to leave. Is it really that important that he give over a year of knowledge? Is his skill set so valuable that the NCAA needs over a year to replace Mark Emmert? First of all, my opinion is the NCAA shouldn't exist anymore. Okay? Uh, I am a diehard college basketball and college football fan. I love college sports in general. Everybody out there knows how much I love college sports. But what's the point of the NCAA now? I hate unnecessary bureaucracy that keeps things from getting done. It seems to me that there is a totally unnecessary bureaucracy in the NCAA. As soon as you can pay players, which is effectively where we are, what's the point of the NCAA? I guess you need some bare minimum of regulations about who's eligible to go to college. But almost everybody, it feels like, who wants to play college athletics can go to college or junior college. I don't think there's very many people out there that aren't eligible or aren't able to do it. So what is the purpose of Mark Emmert? Why does someone need to make $3 million to do his job when effectively it seems to me that the entire purpose of the NCAA is negligible now? And by the way, my issue with the NCAA in general is... Do you know how you know when a bureaucracy is totally unnecessary? It's a good question in general. Uh, Some of you may be thinking about this. When is a job totally unnecessary? When if it didn't exist, nothing would be different, right? That's always been my argument about the NCAA in general. The NCAA exists to create a fair playing field in college athletics. But there isn't a fair playing field in college athletics. The programs that are wealthier are better, right? If there were no NCAA rules, Alabama's going to be good at football if they have Nick Saban as their head coach. With NCAA rules, Alabama's going to be good at football so long as they have Nick Saban as their head coach. So what are we actually doing here other than spending hundreds of millions of dollars on a bureaucracy that has virtually no impact on anything? 
that's my position on Mark Emmert. Certainly, he's not good enough uh, to need over a year to be replaced. Uh, if you were going to replace Mark Emmert with somebody who's in college athletics right now, you'd go get SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey because he's been the best at managing things of all the college commissioners out there. I don't think there's any doubt. And he runs the SEC, which is up there with the Big Ten, clearly the two biggest conferences that matter the most. I think the SEC is the biggest and best. I'm a Southerner, that's to be expected. But it's the SEC and the Big Ten. I don't think that Sankey would take the job because I think the SEC is arguably a bigger job and he's got to integrate now Oklahoma and Texas. But that's the guy that the NCAA should desperately try to go hire because maybe he could make them relevant. I don't know that he could, but that's at least the argument out there. Um, This is, uh, by the way, NFL Draft is going to be in Vegas starting tomorrow. I love the NFL Draft. Years ago, I did a show uh, uh, I wrote a book. I wrote an entire book about training for the NFL Draft. I'm 43 now. When I was 27, when I was 27 years old, I trained for the NFL Draft with a bunch of college kids uh, that would go on into the NFL Draft. Um, This was right before my uh, oldest son was born, so it's been a long time now, right? Uh, But... I trained for the NFL draft. I wrote about the experience of transitioning between being a college athlete and going into the NFL. Uh, it was an incredible experience, lots of fun. Uh, by the way, I am not fast. I ran a 5.640. You probably are not fast either. Almost none of you watching or listening to this right now, even at your athletic prime, could break a 5.040. You think you could because your coach in high school timed you on a, on a hand timer. Most high school football teams, even good ones, don't have more than one or maybe two, oftentimes zero, guys that can actually break a 5040 on a legitimate uh, timer, laser time. But I'm not that excited about this year's NFL draft. I'm excited that it's in Vegas. I love that they're going to have a floating stage out in the Bellagio Fountains. The crowd should be amazing. This will be the first crowd, by the way, at the NFL draft since Nashville hosted the NFL Draft back in 2019. So it feels like it's been forever since that actually happened. That, by the way, was when our bar on Broadway opened in downtown Nashville. Uh, That bar since sold to Garth Brooks. So Garth Brooks has bought our building and our bar in downtown Nashville for a lot of money. Uh, But that was the last time that they had an NFL Draft with big crowds, over 600,000 people were there. I think it will be an amazing environment. I'm just not sure how much drama is actually going to be involved here. And by the way, I'm doing a uh, Fox Bet Live show here in about, well, a little over an hour, hour and a half from now. We'll be breaking down everything NFL Draft related. I'm just not sold on this year's NFL Draft having much drama. I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to go number one overall, Michigan defensive end. I think there will be three quarterbacks taken in the first round. I think Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, um, and uh, maybe maybe Desmond Ritter, uh, Matt Corral, maybe four, but I think Matt Corral definitely, Desmond Ritter, somewhere in there. Maybe there'll be four. There definitely will be three uh, as you break all this down. But none of them feel like immediate difference makers. And so I hope there's going to be a bunch of trades. I hope there will be a lot of moving parts. But right now, it doesn't really feel like that's very likely uh, in the grand scheme of things as we uh, break it all down. 
Hey, Clay Travis right here. Outkick the show is dominating. We're continuing to roll. More coming back in a moment, but first, this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, yes. So I'll be on Tucker Carlson, evidently, uh, right off the top tonight. Uh, just wanted to respond to that text to make sure that I was uh, good to go. By the way, all I do when I'm not doing my shows nowadays, Little League, I am on the field watching, uh, coaching a little bit, but most of the time watching all my kids. Uh, the amount of Little League baseball that I'm doing right now, I feel like I'm in the middle of a Major League Baseball season. So back to the NFL draft. I don't feel like there's a lot of drama there uh, in general. And so uh, we'll see how it all ends up shaking out before all is said and done. But it's worth paying attention to, uh, to as always, because it's one of the great nights in sports where you have a lot of kids, which is why I love it so much, a lot of kids who have busted their ass forever who suddenly are going to become multimillionaires. It's a great American success story, particularly those guys getting drafted in the first round. But really, guys getting drafted at all is a tremendous success story. Um, did you see this? Joe Biden is considering ending $1.6 trillion in federal student loan debt. They're calling it a cancellation of that debt. But it's not actually a cancellation. What would truly be happening is all of the money that would otherwise uh, be responsible to the people who borrowed the money, which is how most borrowings go, would now be put on to the entire American public. And so you and I, I paid my student loans. I had a lot of them, tens of thousands of them from when I was in co- uh, law school. Uh, all of us who paid our loans off would now be obligated to pay off all of the other loans. First of all, I don't think it's constitutional. I don't think that Joe Biden has the authority to just uniformly wipe these loans out and put them onto the federal ledger for debt, okay, first of all. Secondly, also, have we even thought about what would likely happen here when all of these loans get wiped out? That's taxable income. So everybody, are they also going to wipe out the taxes that would be owed, which would be hundreds of billions of dollars? on behalf of all these people who are losing their taxable uh, responsibilities. And let me just say this. If you take out that kind of money, if you take out a loan that is that significant in nature, that's on you. You have an obligation to pay it back. And if you lack the basic economic skills to understand how difficult that might be, maybe we need to spend more time teaching basic economics in our schools because... A lot of these uh, costs, if you're taking out a $100,000 loan to be a social worker, what are you thinking? You're never going to make the money in a significant degree to allow you to pay back some of these loans. And that's why I think some of these schools, some of these universities are borderline engaging, if not engaging in fraudulent criminal activity and even allowing these loans to be taken out. And why then are we going to give a subsidy to all these universities? If the universities themselves want to forgive the loans and repay the people who took the loans out, that's fine. But this money was spent 
All of the money went to the colleges. So if anybody is going to forgive the $1.6 trillion in loans, it should be the universities, which are being subsidized by the federal government and would then be getting a windfall of $1.6 trillion in benefit without any uh, recourse at all. So there needs to be massive lawsuits associated with this. Again, I don't believe it's constitutional for Joe Biden to be able to forgive these student loans, but you can't cancel them because it's just shifting the debt burden from the people who actually took out the loans and gained the education in exchange for those loans to all of us who did absolutely nothing. Why should that happen? It's totally illogical. Uh, Also, by the way, I'm going to spend some more time, I think, tomorrow on this. Joe Biden made over $11 million in 2017, the first year that he was not employed by the federal government in over 40 years. Are we just supposed to believe that this $11 million salary that he effectively made, the income that he made, that's off the charts income for somebody who doesn't have a business, who's never created a business, who doesn't have anything to sell but access to himself, This thing demands an investigation, particularly because they've now found there's $5.2 million that Biden made that's not attributable at all to where it came from. Is it from Hunter? Is it from Ukraine? Is it from China? Where did all this money that Joe Biden suddenly got that made him ridiculously wealthy come from? These are big debate questions that need to be discussed. Of course, a lot of people just don't understand economics. I was talking about the $1.6 trillion uh, to students. How about Chuck Schumer saying the way to cure inflation is by, which is at 8.5% right now, the highest in most of our lives. The way to cure inflation is not to uh, reduce federal spending, which is actually the answer, but to increase the tax rates, to charge more, Uh, to everybody out there, corporations and individuals, that's giving more money to the federal government to spend is how we got into this ridiculousness in the first place. One of the big challenges we've got going on right now is the Democrat Party has effectively lost its ability, truly lost its ability to even have any kind of rational common sense when it comes to business-related issues. That's a flat-out lie that Chuck Schumer is arguing in favor of, that anyone who understands the most basic tenet of business would comprehend, if Joe Biden had gotten to spend all the money that he wanted to spend, our inflation rate would be far worse than it is right now. It'd be 12, 13, 14%. This is crazy, the idea that you're going to decrease inflation by raising taxes. It actually makes no sense at all. John Morant, by the way, saved Memphis last night. Incredible dunk, layup at the buzzer. I have not been watching a lot of the NBA, but I will make this argument. When I have been watching, do you know what's completely vanished? All politics. Maybe it's because LeBron James is not in the NBA anymore. Maybe it's because the NBA has put out the kibosh on anybody discussing anything political in nature. But all of a sudden the super woke NBA, all coverage of anything political related at all associated with the league has vanished. And you know what's happened as a result? Ratings have started going back up. This is not rocket science, guys. People act like I'm crazy when I say, hey, 
Less politics in sports means more people watch. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, it doesn't matter. The number one way to destroy your audience is by lecturing them about politics. The number one way to return it is by just playing the sport, entertain people. And it's amazing. The NBA has put the kibosh. They put out the code red on politics. I haven't heard a single political statement made by an NBA player in what feels like forever. And they've started to tick their ratings back up. Now, maybe it's also because LeBron James is not involved. I think that probably ends up helping things. But it is kind of intriguing how often people say and fight with me when I say, if you get woke, you go broke. And then what happens? You get unwoke and you start to make money again. It's not rocket science. I feel like I could be hired. Maybe Disney needs to understand this. Maybe they'd still have their special treatment in the state of Florida if they had just allowed themselves to be an entertainment company. You're entertainers. Entertain and more money comes in. As soon as you start lecturing on sports and politics, you lose. Now, some people say, well, Clay, you talk about sports and politics. Well, one, they made it impossible for several years not to. But I'm not really in the sports business. I've always been in the opinion business. I'm opinionated about sports, yes. But I'm opinionated about Game of Thrones. I'm opinionated about politics. I'm just opinionated. Outkick is and always has been in the opinion business. Now, sports is our foundation. But if you go back and read the earliest days of Outkick, what I've always been is telling you exactly what I think. You listen to me back on the radio when I did local radio in Nashville. Every day I tell you exactly what I think. Now, every day I tell you exactly what I think. The difference is I've got the biggest radio show in the country and I could share you my opinion on anything under the, under the sun. I used to just have a sports show. Now let's continue to expand as more and more people care about what I have to say. Uh, by the way, 75, I want to keep hammering this because I think a lot of media is not covering it. 75% of kids have COVID antibodies, according to the CDC. Yet the CDC also simultaneously is telling us that 5 to 11-year-old kids need to get the COVID shot, the booster. Hold on a sec. Tell me what's going on here and if this makes any sense. 75% of kids, at least, have already had COVID. That means that they're fine, zero issues, the vast majority of them, they've already had COVID. Three out of every four kid, that's 18 and under, every zero to 17-year-old kid, three out of every four of them have already had COVID. Natural immunity is insanely protective, especially since a lot of people got Omicron, including me. If 75% of people have natural immunity now, why in the world would any parent with a functional brain be taking their kid to get them an unnecessary COVID booster shot if they are the age of 5 to 11, which is what the drug companies are trying to get now. We need to start talking about all the tens of billions of dollars that these drug companies got based on mandatory policies as it pertained to the COVID shot. Your boys had COVID twice. The original alpha version back in November of 2020 and the Omicron version in January of this year and both of them Zero issues. I was 100% fine. And if you are under the age of 65, chances are, and not morbidly obese and not insanely unhealthy, chances are you were 
100% fine as well. I may write on this uh, on uh, later in the week, although I'm headed down to, uh, to Orlando, going to go to Universal Studios, taking my kids down there. Uh, but as Netflix stock continues to tank, and let me give you the latest price on Netflix. Uh, by the way, a lot of stocks are continuing to tank uh, in this uh, Joe Biden regime. Feels like every stock is down pretty substantially off of its highs at this point. But if you look at Netflix stock, Netflix now, and I'm a Netflix shareholder, and I've been a Netflix shareholder for a long time, so I lost a substantial amount of dollars when this company tanked. Netflix stock is all the way down now at $188 a share. That gives it a market cap of $83 billion. Not that big of a company now in the grand scheme of things. The reason why I raise that as an issue is I just float this idea out there. Why wouldn't Apple buy Netflix? Apple right now is near an all-time high in price. It's got a market cap of $2.6 trillion. Apple is also creating its own streaming service competitor with Netflix. Why not roll the Apple streaming service directly into Netflix, use the iPhone as the wildly successful distribution method for much of Netflix content and create the largest streaming service by far in the world using Apple as the platform to distribute a lot of Netflix. Am I crazy here? Now that Netflix is all the way back down around $88 billion, Apple has enough money sitting in its bank accounts to buy Netflix outright. The price is so low, the amount of content you would get is extraordinary. You would no longer, and there might be, as a result, FTC, Federal Trade Commission issues with whether this merger would be allowed to go through. But instead of having to compete with Netflix, you would merge all the great content that Apple has created with Netflix and create a streaming service that would be the largest in the world and would be almost impossible to actually overcome. You guys know, I started a media company. I love the business side of media, whether it's radio, whether it's TV, whether it's internet. It seems to me that it would make a lot of sense to take advantage of the price in Netflix tanking roll all of the cost structures for Apple and Netflix in together and have Apple buy Netflix with the cash that's outstanding on its balance sheet already. They could buy it with cash. And then you have a subscription business that you can charge for inside of Apple that is more efficient, has more subscribers. You can combine it with the Apple TV uh, directive that you've already created And it seems like it would have a lot of potential in what would then turn into a large streaming battle between Apple slash Netflix, also then with Amazon and uh, and Disney and some of the other smaller services. I think you'd see a lot of those streaming services combined. My point is, it appears to me that there are far too many streaming services. I subscribe right now, and by I, I mean my wife, for Disney+, Plus, Hulu, Amazon Prime. I think we got Apple TV. We definitely have Netflix. 
We have almost everything under the sun that you could subscribe to from a streaming perspective. Paramount, uh, HBO Max, all of these are subscriptions that I have inside the Travis household. There need to be fewer. Average American consumer will only pay for four streaming services. That means there needs to be consolidation in this industry. Just tossing it out there, why wouldn't Apple buy Netflix? There might be challenges from an antitrust perspective given the Biden administration's uh, often uh, refusal to allow things like this to occur. So that could be a challenge. But in terms of the logic of the purchase and the business alignment, seems like it makes an awful lot of sense. All right. I love all of you. I'll be on Fox Bet Live at uh, 5 o'clock Eastern. I will be on with Tucker Carlson at 8 o'clock Eastern. Go subscribe to the Clay and Buck Show. I hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesdays. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.